Chapter 43 Misdirected Thoughts If anything, this piece of the library of forgotten dreams was even stranger than the last one. It looked more like a cross between a mansion and a castle. It looked to be made up of many small rooms and chambers. No space for a great hall. No archway or courtyard like the last piece of the library. On the plus side, there were no dogs to meet me at the door. Not like the last time, I there were dogs. There were dogs. They just didn't move, not while I was watching anyway. And they didn't exactly look like dogs. They were more strange kind of charcoal outline, like a statue. I mean, they were statues, but hollow, solid, but not all. They, they seem to be semi-transparent in the same way that you can tell a chocolate Easter bunny is hollow. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to just forget about it, okay? I was pleased to find a real librarian. He was tall, spindly, thin, long fingers, toothpick arms, hair that flowed to blow his shoulder blades, tattered clothes. Okay, maybe he wasn't the perfect image of a librarian, but he sure beat the hell out of those dogs. I still get chills, running around on all fours, sniffling, growling, voices coming from nowhere. It was all very strange, at least with this gentleman. You knew he didn't always carry the books around in his teeth. At least I hope he didn't. It was clear that no two pieces of this library were going to be the same. Why does that surprise me? First piece had been out in the middle of nowhere, nothing around it. There had been the library, and that's it. Clearly, everything and anything that dealt with that piece of the library lived on its grounds, which isn't so hard to imagine if you think about everyone working at the place being dogs. But this place, this place was in a tent. Okay, it wasn't a grand metropolis of a rampaging city. There were probably no more than two or three real streets in the whole place. The rest were semi-paved, dust and gravel ways. There were quite a few buildings, houses and homes, town hall, barber shop, local watering hole, internet cafe, you name it. Okay, maybe not the cafe. I must admit I made that last one up. They did have cars, but they didn't look to be wired for telephones, unless those phone lines were underground which wasn't that big a stretch of the old imagination. No more than the librarian. I'm looking for stories and rumors about something that doesn't exist. I said that. Well, you have come to a place of seeking, a place of looking, listening, finding things. I don't know if I can help you. This is a place where lost souls come to read. Things are not found here. They remain secret, hidden. They come here to die, thinking they are living forever. Well, I was off to a better start than with the dogs. They wouldn't even let me cross the ground. Stop me at the door. Oh, turn around. Go away. There is nothing for you here. What you seek is not here. Which had raised a bit of a stumbling block for approaching the second piece of the library. I had been disturbed by how quickly the dogs had known exactly what I was looking for. 
how quickly they'd read my mind. Here I was, on the run, hiding from the fair folk for having desecrated the common market, stolen valuable property only to have the kids die on me. This was information I might not want to spread around, and the first thing that happens is those dogs knew what I was looking for. Took it right out of my head. Had they discovered my little escape from the imaginary cage? I didn't know. Then the guy in the car. Brian. He had known my name, even though I had told him some totally bullshit name. It was as if simply saying the false name as if it was my name had been as dumb a thing to do as giving him my real name. I don't know why, but there you are. I had given him a piece of me, and he had read the rest, taken it straight from the heart of my brain as if I wasn't even there. He had known my name. So how could I face the librarian? He would know me. He would know everything about me, everything I had done, who was looking for me. He would know. He would know it all. And it didn't help that those guys didn't like Del Morgan. I didn't like Del Morgan, but that's beside the point. In this place, I was flacking for her. That's all that would matter. The librarian would know who had sent me, and I would enter a world of pain. Hell, maybe that's why the dogs had been so quick to throw me out. So I had to speak obliquely and guard my thoughts. I couldn't come right out and say anything. I had to sort of talk around it. Name the thing without really naming the thing. And worst of all, I couldn't say my own name as it was a dead giveaway. It was the same as opening up my head and letting crows pick up my thoughts. None of which really made sense. I mean, the dragon hadn't been able to read my mind. He had kept asking me why I was there. Why was I there? Why was I there? He had been a broken record. It seems strange that something so powerful had been unable to rip the thoughts from out of my head. Instead, he had sent me after the water of life, which may have been the whole point. The dragon could have known everything. Del Morgan and the dragon could have been in on the game from the beginning. Those two, wanting the water of life, couldn't send someone after the water of life. That would give them notice. Just look at the way I'd been followed simply for having held the stuff in my hands. So they had to sneak around it. The dragon had known everything. He had only chained me to a wall and tortured me so as not to raise my suspicions of what I was really up to. That might also explain all the torture, the constant repetitions of why I was there. He wasn't trying to figure out why. The dragon had been making sure that I didn't know the reason Del Morgan had sent me to him. He wanted to make sure I didn't know I was searching for the water of life, which raised another interesting question. Why was I really searching for a book that didn't exist? I mean, it all seems kind of stupid. James Joyce never wrote a book called Lucifer's Widow, so what was was I doing? I was searching for a book called Lucifer's Widow that was never written by James Joyce. I was in the right place. Even Dorad told me to search for the library of forgotten dreams. He just told me to do so by going to the common market. So I was seeking a book that didn't exist as misdirection. Then that was my real uh, purpose. Real. See? I really screwed things up at the common market anyway. So maybe that had been my purpose. Look for a book that didn't exist. So I would run into Beowulf Drake and separate him from those two kids. I didn't really like to consider that. After all, the kids had wound up dead. I mean, I had been sent in search of a book so that I would run into Beowulf Drake at the common market and disrupt his cash inflow? So the kids had to die? What Dill Morgan care? No, I didn't want to consider that. Besides, there were too many holes in it. Sending me after a book, Dill Morgan couldn't have known I would go to the common market. And if it was a fairly long gambit, that I would manage to run into Beowulf Drake. She would have to hope that I recognized him and that I would have the appropriate reaction to seeing him leading kids around. And again, it had been the non-existent Jack who had led me there and around the market, so maybe the encounter had been a mistake. 
If my mission had been to disrupt the common market, then what was I still doing searching for a book that didn't exist? Was Del Morgan waiting for the heat to clear before she called me home? How the hell should I know? She probably sent me up, hoping that they would kill me. Oh, wait, they couldn't kill me, just torture me a lot. Which left the other possibility. I was in the land of misplaced hopes and forgotten dreams to do something, something, I know not what, throw a wrench into the best laid plans of mice and men. I don't know. All I knew was that the patrons of the library didn't like Del Morgan. I could only imagine that the feeling was mutual, so I was here to cause trouble, to inflict pain and emotional embarrassment on the patrons of the library by searching for a book that didn't exist. Oh yeah, this was all kinds of sound reasoning, which left me pretty much far from trying to shield my thoughts and intentions from the librarian who's still standing right over there. He didn't seem to mind. I was free to look around, stop, listen, learn. Only one problem. I couldn't get in the library. Really? He said it was okay for me to snoop, but I couldn't enter the library, which is just a fine pickle. How could I search for a book that didn't exist if I couldn't enter the library? Yeah. I had to settle for wandering around, listening to the walls, the doors, the twice-forgotten echoes of steps as they crossed into the library. I learned nothing. This was getting old. How many more pieces of the library would I be denied access to? I didn't know. There was no way to know. He had said it was because this was a place where dreams went to die. What you are seeking yet lives. He had said that. It's a beating, thriving thing. He had said that. People who still talk about the work that wasn't written, they dream of what they don't know. You want the great library in far white trash. Yeah. So that was it, as close as I was going to get. At least it was better than the last place. There, I had learned nothing resembling a clue. I didn't know how far I had to go, so I thanked the librarian and intended to start right away, which raised another interesting little problem. It was getting dark, and I had no money. Shit! I didn't know what to do. I was in town. I saw no way to read white trash before the day was done. I figured it was best to stay in Dayside until morning. But I had nowhere to stay. I had no money. I didn't know anyone besides the guy who had given me a lift into town. I just didn't feel right showing up on his doorstep looking for a place to crash. Besides, I didn't know where he lived. That doesn't say I couldn't Ploy my little trick of finding exactly what was seeking me. I mean, seeking me what I was seeking. I mean, seeking it shall find. I mean, thank you, Mr. Dragon. There was a simple solution. Dayside was kind of butt up against the woods. Not my woods, not the place I'd escape from, not even any old woods in particular. There was just a great honkin' forest next to town. Well, I had grown used to sleeping out of doors. I would just wander into and among all those old trees and hunker down for the night. Nothing interesting had happened any night before this one. I wasn't expecting anything out of the ordinary to happen this night, which is exactly the kind of attitude I should have known would invoke Murphy's Law. I woke screaming. Yeah. Filling the world with voices. The forest swimming all around me. I wasn't alone, flowing, moving, tearing at the roots of the world. They were all around me. 
I was cold, chilled in every direction, torn without purpose like a rag doll in a dog's grip. I floundered, spinning, reaching for branches and teardrops, trying to escape the wood as it twisted and curled all around me. I couldn't breathe in the wind, reaching for a branch, falling in the dark words echoing all around me, dragging up my skin, tasting my flesh, deciding if I was fool or food or stone. The voices flew past me, pausing at the touch, listening to the dark turning, looking, moving. The great world turned the little voices laughed their silent laughter, fearing the dark I was alone. Breathing through cracked lips, tasting blood, not wanting to move, I could feel the shadow slipping past, rushing with the wind. There was light, sparkling voices somewhere. I need only look. I shouldn't have. I should have turned and run screaming into the dark. I couldn't move, I could but drink of the wash of color that had flooded me, flowed across me like a river. I couldn't understand, never hoped to describe. So what I do? I followed the sound of voices, followed the trail of smashed trees and broken branches, even if they healed before my eyes. Huh. I was following the call of voices, the flicker of a distant candle, the bellowing of elephants, the cry of the wild. What the fuck? To the edge of the wood I saw them. Men with great torches and giant sticks that flickered by moonlight. There were monstrous and beautiful things, fluttering raindrops and twists of honey in the wind. Midnight rainbows and the flames of hell arose by any other name had just as many thorns. Striking at the men, screaming, wavering, flowing without sound, they tossed light and brandished sticks. There, a song was captured on the tail of a great silver stick, brandishing moonlight, the men surrounding it, bringing it down. Others moved, others wavered and sparkled. Here, a great volume of words fought with men slipping past them, trailed by cries and screams for the one that got away. There! Another flickering of forgotten dreamwork was impaled on a lantern-like brand. The men had their work. They captured. They fought. They sang. And I have no idea! Another old barn scraped left from the circle before I could think it was on my hiding place. It was over and around me, flowing through me, pulling up my bones, leaving me drenched in fire. Caring only to be free, the turn of winter midnight left me floundering on the rock and the stone, seeking only to escape is probably what saved my life. Just like that, it was gone. Just like that, I was left alone on the old dirt between trees at the edge of the wood. I couldn't breathe. Trying to move brought shocks of pain to every bone and muscle and joint. All I could do was stare at the sky and try not to scream. And then the people were there, standing all around me, speaking words I couldn't understand, touching me, turning me over, making me sit against the tree. A flask was touched my lips, and I tasted something as foul as molasses, sweet as chilled wine. Then, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen was looking at me, noses almost touching as she checked my eyes, and she told me that this was all just a bad dream, and I believed her! This audio recording of The Purple Gideon and the Tale of the Donkey is copyright 2011 by Keith D. Jones. All rights reserved. <laughs>